keep going. Hello. Welcome to a bonus episode of Keep Going Podcast. This particular recording is one that we did, I think it's the first recording we actually made. Um, as such, the the sound quality is really low. I know a lot of times people tell me we don't want to hear that, but it's the reason why we're making it a bonus episode, because it's, um, it's not quite up to the snuff that... Uh, um, that that we think we can create and at least in terms of sound quality i do think the content is excellent and um probably should be censored because we really didn't expect to put it all out and i actually went back and listened to the whole thing it's really long episode i think it's an hour and 30 minutes and if you stay around to the end you'll get a little bit of a history of austin running and parts of that i wish maybe i had thought about cutting out and i initially told the guys michael and John that I would cut it out but I didn't I just left it in I figure I can always ask for forgiveness and but I think it's super interesting and will be interesting to many people to hear our kind of point of view on how you know just the milieu that we're in in Austin and um and you know you start to get to know the personalities of John and Michael and myself through this episode it's pretty raw and real and we have a lot of fun doing it so again i don't we don't really expect these episodes um this podcast in general to be everybody's cup of tea but if it's yours you can bet that whatever (laughs) what we get going on in this particular episode this this particular bonus episode is sort of the the standard operating procedure of the keep going podcast so i hope you guys enjoy um if you like it let us know um, we'll be back with you um, just a little later in the week. This episode's coming out on a Saturday. And then we've got a final episode, what I'm calling the third in a triptych. will be called um, The Role of an Athlete that um, sort of continues on from that first episode, the one that um, just came out called The Role of a Coach. Hope you guys enjoy. Let us know what you think, and we'll um, get back with you and we'll talk more. So enjoy, and when, with... That I bring to you the episode we call The Shit. Enjoy. Really? Yeah. Proper. Yeah. Lately. Well, yeah. I've, I sort of have learned, particularly during the pandemic when all of a sudden everybody was, you know, everybody was in the house. Yeah. Um, the less I say, the less shit I get in <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I like so I I just I try to find the words because uh, this new generation of kids the way they argue is really really unfair <laughs> like they just don't because they've grown up in chat rooms and all this kind of stuff and so it's just it's Yeah, I don't know how to take it. Hang you on, just can know. keep this here. Okay. Like here is not a good spot for it. Um, here is not a good spot for it. Okay. But you don't have to eat it like you did at Ro. When right. you did it, the one with Chris and I, you had right. to eat it. Like yeah. this, this yeah. is did all. Did you do those chats with them? He did. I did a couple of them. He did two of them with us. They were really, they were fun. They were my nice. favorites. They were my favorites. <laughs> really? Dude, 
talking was, to this guy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like got so I, much I shit. Know, but I want to know more. I need to get I'm back in so this. sedated these days. Wait, were you not before? No, I was, I've only I was known just a, you in the I've, no, in the I'm we've just, been meditating a lot era because I, that's when we <laughs> that was when it. I met you for the first few times doing workouts with Rory and we would bring out our bikes. Yeah, the conversation was like John. I'm meditating every second I get that's not working right now, and I'm falling apart. <laughs> Sweet. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, I'm meditating as well. Like, okay. Do we know what styles we need to work on? <laughs> <laughs> it was once I, like, every time, every brand of whatever meditation I tried, I was, I, I think... It's like anything else. You just have to be, you'll get it when you're ready to get it. It's, I, you know, probably work, relationships, whatever. It'll finally click when it's time to click. And it just, everything I tried never clicked. Mm -hmm. And then this one was just like, boom. And I think the only days I've missed. Which one are you trying now? Yeah, what are you doing now? Transcendental. Oh, TM. But I don't do all the hocus pocus shit. Okay, there's a lot of hocus pocus shit with TM. But isn't there a lot of noises and and scents and all the all the stuff? I was at the point where I like meditation needs to be a tool in order for me to function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first one that didn't have you know, I love like the pageantry of Tibetan Buddhism and I love the streamlined Zen practice, you know, all that kind of stuff. But this is the first one that doesn't have a practice built around it. Mm. And you and you can just go, it's a tool. There is, but it's a manufactured, all that stuff. It's mm. all bullshit. And it's mm. Indian based, correct? It's, Indian based, it's right. so it's got a it's got a Southern Asia right. vibe. That's not Vipassana, right. like Vipassana, which is. And then you know, you've got all those styles, right? right? Like, Vipassana I, is something that, that rewired my brain. My 10-day sitting rewired my brain. Well, if you sit down for 10 days for 10 hours a day in one Chappelle yeah. swoop, it's going to rewire yeah. something. A, you it's don't hard. come out the same person. No, it's hard. You can't have you done a, what Have you, you done that Vipassana mm-hmm. retreat, the 10-day? I did it in Albuquerque. No, no. way. Yeah. I did mine in Kaufman, outside mm. Dallas. I did mine in Japan. That's yeah. cool. That was intense. Well, yeah. I mean, you know what they tell you with all that. They say they've got this list of things that you're supposed to do prior to coming or not do prior to coming. Right. Number one, you should have your shit together. Number two, you shouldn't do drugs and alcohol. Number three, yeah. you should have, you know, some kind of balance <laughs> of what you're going to do to integrate afterwards. I had none of you those kinda, things. You kind of went into it. Oh, I went into it hardcore. I like all those lists. I just said, check. Yes. Check. Yes. Okay. 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 And I had never meditated. So I'm not a meditator. I'm not a heavy meditator. I, I, I was I, scared it, about so going I couldn't into even it. Sit. I like, was super scared about practicing and yep. making sure that I could, you know, keep my wits about me for forty-five to an hour sessions over and over and over. And it's I think because we, we, our the Western mind is a scientific mind. Maybe in the sense that we follow these like we have to follow these sort of rigid rules about everything we do, right? Everything is black and white. Everything is polarized. And med- the whole idea of meditation, like, in America, is that it's almost become like an event or a sport. 
mm. like anything else. Yeah. It's, that's what we do it's, best. It's right? another external thing for an internal thing. Yeah. It's not. It's an internal thing for an internal thing. Yeah. And that's what that's what's interesting about the culture here of it is yeah, that it's we and, live in a you know a, you know a, what, how do you want to say it capitalist society where the the western style is external goodness right. can help your internal right soul right whereas the eastern floater on that is the internal stuff it's, it's the inverse right the, it's completely it, the opposite it's uh and so with not having all the pageantry or whatever yeah. it was surrounding it, it was really easy just to, and within the first week I was, it was on. And it, you, the, the idea is that it doesn't matter what happens. It's that you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. That's keep, it. That's keep showing up. That's all it is. It's like running. Yeah. Just get out. You get, just, you just yeah. put your shoes on, walk out the door, see what happens. Well, and that, then, that's like sobriety too, in my case as yeah. well. You just keep showing up. Yeah. yeah. You just keep doing the thing. You don't have to get it right. Yeah. There's nothing to get right as long as you're, yeah. you have a dedicated mind. Yeah. Like that's, that's about the common denominator between all of the internal, internal reconciliations. Yeah. Well, in thinking about the fact that you were talking about meditation being competitive, it reminds me of um, this shirt that, the first time I saw it just made me vomit in my mouth, right? Is this sh- a shirt coming from somebody coming out of a yoga studio and it says spiritual gangster. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, every part of this I get. I get every single part of it. I get that you're walking out of a yoga studio and that you need to wear a shirt that indicates that you come out of it. Get it. I, am, I don't have a problem with that. Number two, I get that you're a spiritual gangster. That's kind of a cool thing. I get it, right? right. But the fact that all these things are together in one place and the person wearing it has no connection to yeah. the yoga, to the spirit, to the gangster, to any of that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is just, this that is was, just exactly. Who, notably, you know what that is? It's like, uh, who is that writer? Somebody in, in uh, parents had a bunch of their her name i think she still might be alive she's a writer in new york natalie goldman no no um another jewish woman but uh her thing she was she was a big critic of society and all that kind of shit <laughs> and she said if you are trying <laughs> to live a lifestyle you have neither mm. like if your thing is i need i want this lifestyle then you don't have life or style. And so it's like, it's kind of what. Let um, me wrap my brain around that. That's a good one. It's because it's, it's um, not. Oh yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's talking about it. and not. There's no it's, gnosis. It's the, it's the external becoming the internal rather than the internal becoming the external. Yeah. There's no gnosis. Right. There's no direct experience right. of the thing. So right. therefore, everything is mediated. Yeah. And that's what you were talking about with the meditation being right. a sport is it's mediated by something. And TM, you're definitely, you're straight no chaser, right? right? Like no bells and whistles. You know, this is the problem people have with the Tibetan style, which I have a problem with Tibetan style. It's like, so you got to do deity stuff. It's you got to do all this other things. There's all these. like four hours if you're going to do it. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, you know, I try, I went the Shambhala style for a while there, you know, because it was much more secularized right. and worse your approach which is much more my vibe anyway because i get why people get competitive with things and i don't think it's a problem as long as you're balancing it with other with other modalities you're looking at it from a different perspectives but that idea that 
we need mediation just really affected me coming from a Christian background. You know, right. growing up strict fundamentalist Christian, the whole mediation thing is a big problem right. and that I've got, uh, someone's got to save me. Right. And I've got to, now the idea of submission is super important and I still believe that that's an important thing, but the way that it's monitored, the way that stuff is balanced, it's like, how do you find a balance to this competitive zeal? I mean, this is a great question for us is we're operating in a space, the three of us, where we're creating products, you know, in Michael's case, he's creating shoes to sell on a, in a market. Um, I am a coach and I am trying to make a living being a coach and John, you're a coach and you're in the shoe world, helping right. another business sell products. Right. So yet the three of us, as I understand it, are pretty much a little more anarchistic, not capitalistic and would love to have another model with which to work in. And yet how do you balance those things? Like how do you guys think about that stuff? I don't know. I think, you know, in a, in a, in a lot of ways I've, been out of the loop of being like feet on the ground in the running community for a few years now. Um, pandemic, you know, I, I didn't leave the house, but it, the having to travel and do all that kind of stuff, everything I've seen is just all representations of what's going on. You know what I mean? I just see everybody's Instagram posts and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm not involved in the conversations, but my interaction with a very few people who are like the new generation, you know, like people more your age, mm -hmm. um, is it's, it's, it's a super, I don't want to use this word cause it sounds, it sounds, it's, it could be antagonistic, but it's very, it's a superficial thing. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, like there's, it's superficial fundamentally, but yeah. it's actually just people trying to meet a need. Everybody's just a little oh, bit yeah. of pain trying to meet some need, and yeah. they just want to fit in in a world that doesn't let them fit in. Oh, well, it's. I think it's the same with each generation, although it's different, right? Yeah. Because each generation is going to have a different approach to what they're doing, even though if they're doing sure. the exact same thing. The, the part I haven't been able to, like, wrap my head around yet is that it's um the discussion now is all about the stuff and it remind it reminds me of when we used to make fun of triathletes back <laughs> in the day yeah <laughs> and stuff and i'm and you know and in the cycling world it's been like that for decades right and now that it's in the running world, particularly while I wasn't involved with it, it's like, I almost feel like I don't belong. Because, I mean, there was a time when I was younger where I was really enthusiastic about all the new stuff. And I, you know, without sounding like I'm the guy, get off my lawn, like, I don't need any more new stuff. Come on, you are that guy. But anyway, I, I but you know what I mean? We I get just, to an age and you get to be that way. And you've kind of been that guy all along. Yeah. You have been a purist, an artist, a purist, and someone who loved the, you, know, you John and I grew up in the shoe industry together at the same time, um, both 
as employees and then in different in different ways and so you, well, you were part of the Austin running community before the Austin running community existed. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You and Carosa and that crew down. And so that was like, and that was all, you guys were just experimenting. We were just building shoes out of sheet, sheet AVA, stacking it together, cutting it with a little hot glue gun <laughs> and an and a, and a, and a actual knife and heating things up and plastering them apart. But I think this goes back to this point that, there, like my Saturdays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is this thing, you know, where where before cyclists had to have gear. Right. Triathletes are gear crazy. Um, and that is the phasing that's going on with running now, you know, where yeah. you've got because of what's going on with the plate with the carbon shoes and the new the new cheater flies, whatever one you have, yeah. and then all the other ones going on around it is that you now have an arms war that creates a different kind of experience because as shoe sellers in the 80s and the 90s and the aughts, as you and I went through all those years, right. we were always required to talk about the tech that was in the shoe, but the tech was inconsequential in almost every case. I mean, maybe the Zoom cushion, you know, when that when Nike did their first real Zoom cushion, but the first Air Max, I was just watching this Netflix video. I don't know if you've seen the the uh, the one with Tinker Hatfield that's done. It's a super cool episode if you haven't seen it. It's like a design the, one. The InDesign, I think. In design, I, I forget some, what it's called, but it's beautiful. But anyway, he it's a beautifully shot and beautifully done. Yeah. And he's just, I mean, he, there's a, he is... The great, the I mean, yeah. one of the greats, if not the greatest. But he was talking about how they inputted the input the first in the first Nike Air Max, that first airbag, mm -hmm. and he doesn't say it. But for all intents and whistles, all for all intents and purposes, it's like they, they didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> and he tried to expose it because they're like, well, let's show them that it's in there because really it's not doing anything. <laughs> and you know, for a long time, I think that's what it was: posted yeah. shoes, having a post in it, having right. doing all this stuff. You could feel it, but it was always just sort of. And to, it's like, it was add on to the experience of what did it feel like? And we were constantly like right. talking about what did it feel like? And yeah, we were supposed to watch them run and do all this other stuff. But ultimately we knew the person was going to be okay in it or not okay in it based on their biomechanics. Right. And really nothing much more was going to be said about it. Right. But now what's going on in the shoe world is, so there was an appearance of the gear mattering and right. there being an arms war, but it's not that anymore. And right. so now that world is how do we deal with that? And, you know, Michael, how do you deal with it? Because that's the space, like you're you're in the belly of the beast with that stuff. I mean, John and I are just sitting on the outsides, two Gen Xers right. going, what the fuck's going on here? This <laughs> yeah. shit. Like, but recognizing, also watching results, because John and I are both coaches, we pay really close attention to the sports side of our world. And, yeah. you know, it's, to me, it's like, don't even talk about pre and post shoe. Because it's done, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like don't. It's like talking about doping. Fuck doping. Mm -hmm. Like they're either doing it or they're not. You're not going to find out till afterwards. But with the shoes, at least, it's like okay, you can wear them or you don't have to wear them. And at the end of the day, it's like we're, you can asterisk, but now there's no more asterisk yeah. in my opinion. It's like it is what it is. Like yeah. that performance that we saw in Berlin would not have happened if he didn't have those shoes. Now he still would be the world's best marathoner by yeah. a margin that's pretty pretty substantial and only one other person who could even closely run with him which is the greatest distance runner of all time Bekele is like right. is is the only guy who could actually go stride for stride with him and so we're still seeing all the things we saw before but the times are different yeah. and the average person now can run who's a three-hour marathoner can run 255 253 we want right. we don't know what the exact you know, three percent, five percent, whatever the improvement is. But all of that world, you're making shoes in that space. How do you even? I mean, because it's not just Nike. 
everybody's in that space now. That's the important part to mention is that with any great and proper debate, there needs to be a uh, defined terms. You have to define the terms. You have to know what winning is or what losing or what's over or under. So in this, it, I often think a lot about what's, who's running, what's the market. And if you really break it down, the running market is about, and these are like 2018 stats that you pull from industry reports that may or may not have changed, but COVID kind of held everything up. But give it a few years grace, but it was about like 54 some million U.S. runners. It downgrades to, and that's, that's people running for health, running to try something new, meet some friends, right. um, set a time goal. I mean, it can, be, it can be as personal as set a time goal, but there's really four or five different reasons that most people get into running. So that's interesting, and that just has to be considered in the whole zeitgeist of the conversation. When you downgrade that, you have this 17 to, let's just call it 17 to 20 million folks that are running three to five times a week with a club, with a coaching group, sign up for races once a year. Um, that's really kind of the next level of runners. Let's just say there's about 20 million really dedicated folks that honor the gear, honor what's going on with these companies that are putting out, and most importantly, honor the marketing. And and so I think a lot, to answer your first question, it's very, very difficult because I think a lot about who is actually being affected by the marketing. And I think a lot about this kind of, what it, whether it be a foam war, who's got the most uh, rebound resilience in their foam versus the plate or this or that. I actually like to think about it with the biggest target audience, like any great songwriter. I think that like your idea is to play the song for as many people as possible. So who's the industry playing the song for and how many people is that? My fear is that these types of uh, using external solutions like shoes and tech and plates and foams has, has become more permeated into that larger group, into the reason that people want to try something new, have an experience, spiritual or physical. And it really is frustrating because this... I tip my hat to, to, to the change because um, I was a super big fan of the Breaking 2 project when Nike first released it. And I was running CIM, and I bought myself a pair of uh, 4%, and I used them for a couple training runs, and then went out and raced, a great race in them. It was such a cool experience because I was training in the Saucony Kinvara and then racing in this thing that was like free speed. I paid a lot of money for it. It was a really cool experience. But that whole idea has been com uh, a little, it's a little bit different now than it is before. And I came into the industry during that time. So I came into the running industry as an aspiring designer and willing to do anything I could to create a brand and to put shoes on people's feet uh, at that time. And it's been changing ever since. It's been wildly confusing to keep up with because what's getting more and more difficult for me is to talk about running without talking about how we're going to beat the external right. things that are going on in the market. Right. And it's it, there's no elevator pitch to try and change the, the, the cultural phenomenon that has happened with one of the most accessible pastimes, beginner to elite, you know, like it, it like it's, it's very difficult to um, peel back what is the, 
what's what's really been happening and prices of daily trainers are going up and up and up and the people wanting to be able to take pictures of themselves with the latest and greatest is also going up and up and up but again like all I'm really trying to do is nail down what is the actual, what is like totally an objective truth in terms of the market and what do people want and what do people need. And at the end of the day, I don't think it's, I can safely say that it's my dream to build the most like balanced running experience with tools, shoes, uh, to offer kind of our help in letting people get there. But it's, it's been um, it's been hard to almost want to build a traditional style product without that type of going in with the gloves on because we just get rocks thrown at us. But the core group we have loves to run. Well, and that's what's exciting. It, like, that's what I love about it. You know, the think about all the other product that is not carbon fiber based out there. Mm-hmm. All the other stuff that sells really, really, really well, um, and that effectively drives the whole business, right? Your basic everyday trainers. Mm-hmm. The thing with what they have is 20 years of the ghost or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those shoes are not flashy. They're really basic. They have some, you know, they know who they're pitching to for sure. But in a sense, they're they're really no different. It's just that the marketing on your product was, doesn't have the time behind it yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where um, you have to wait for the sort of the ebb and flow of the market to for your space to open up. Mm-hmm. And all, all you do then in that time is just focus on making the product that like you're making your heart, your mind, everything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, like, this is the product I'm going to make. And the running market does this I've all seen it. the time. He, yeah, and you can trace you know, it up and down and up and down. Every, like, all you kind of have to do is is stick it out. You know that's what I mean? What's, that's what's really interesting. And, is know you're, got, and, know, and know what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You, can, right. you can sit it out, but if you don't know what you're doing, then right. you're going to constantly be recalibrating right. to a new. Yeah. It's like coaching. We, you limit your variables for as long as possible to get a key understanding. Or mm-hmm. you could talk about whether you have a purpose. Some people talk in that language, like what you're, what you're, what you're really trying to achieve. To me, it's like it, purpose. I used to be so pro-purpose, and now I'm not anti-purpose. I'm just like it's a piece of the puzzle. What's more important is what are you doing now, and are you sure it's coming from the place that you think is authentic for now it's, it's like it's absolute here and now authenticity that's and all and what's going to get you out moving and running and kind of checking that box each day because i don't know about you guys but um i know that the way that i maintain my routine is on a daily basis and i don't to this i can't figure out how to do it in the future yet <laughs> so like right. i don't know i don't know what that even means so i just i think I think that it that it's very much here and now. But you're in an industry that's all about future. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about a future. Which makes what, me very happy because I've always been, and when I talk to uh, the team about, and, and I think it's important to bring our authentic selves to work or what we're doing, and I tell them I, I am very much interested 
I was the guy that got into this industry because I wanted shoes in the back of my truck and I wanted to hawk them around at races and I wanted to race and I wanted to put up an expo booth and have a little sign that says, <laughs> I'll be back when I'm finished. <laughs> right. And that's, that's what I wanted. I mean, truly. And I think it deviated from there because we bite that, you know, forbidden fruit and we just we're in the marketplace now and we go and we go and we go and lo and behold we produce our own carbon shoe which i'm you know in in this whole product catalog and i think it's been a great journey i don't think we need to define the future uh and i and i like the journey so far i love the journey but what's interesting about that is i've always had this i kind of want to be that guy like when i had my old restaurant it was a hot dog restaurant, and I would. My favorite thing about it was that any given time, I could stand up on the counter with the microphone and get up my guitar and start singing some songs, or kind of make people feel a little bit weird, so that we could pull them into our environment. And I still want to keep that piece of that. Per, that's my authenticity. So when I'm building the brand with my team, my contribution to it is this idea that, by the way, we're gonna be that little person in the corner going. Yeah, you can probably use all that stuff too, and we got some if you want it. But like, we're still talking about what we're still talking about community. We're still talking about this and moving through space. We're, we're just trying to figure out the values and double down on those values. Mm -hmm. Moving through space—that's a good way to put it. And something about that seems exciting to me. But it is—that's the punk rock aspect of the way that I've always wanted to live. I never want to feel like I have to do something for the future. Um, and a lot of the times I'm being pulled in that way. So any chance I get, my inherent desire is to make sure that I've still got that kind of bad religion t-shirt on and kind of just like, you know, what do you guys want? What do you guys want from me? I'm the guy that's showing up to the business function in a t-shirt. Like, we're always going to do that because we're just a band of, you know. And that's one way that the industry has changed so substantially, John. You and I know this, that working in a running shoe store, watching people walk in, Everybody, the uniforms are not uniforms anymore. Everybody can right. be whoever they are. We can yeah. all have tattoos. I mean, right. we we can all be whoever we want to be. Right. That part about what's new in the world is really, really cool. And some of that is surface. But here's the thing. Humans are humans. Yeah. The human experience is the human experience. People want a few basic things. They want to be heard and seen. Yeah. Um, they want to be authentic, whatever that is. And even if it's not their own authenticity, they have to use a surface level of that for a while to get to where they need to go. Um, and then I think they also kind of want, as we were talking about before, they kind of want to be on an edge. There's something about what's the fringe that we're yeah. doing is like being mm -hmm. on a boundary of where yep. they are possible of doing themselves. Yep. And you know, the yep. person who runs, you know, we used to call it the town Lake shuffle. We the town Lake here. You do the yep. four mile loop and mm -hmm. we used to make fun of them. Yep. And there was a point in time where I got out there on a, you know, in a, Thursday at noon in the summertime and watched who was doing the town like shuffle. And I'm like, those are fucking my people, man. Mm -hmm. Like even if they're just doing four yep. and I happen to go do three loops of it, or I'm going to do the 10 mile loop. These, these guys and girls, they are they're not different team. every day. It's, it's, the ones yeah. who are not that are the ones in the air conditioned yeah. community center over here, riding their bike or go over at the Y doing this other right. thing or mm -hmm. walking their dog at auditorium shores. I walk my dog too, but like, these people are doing this thing and they are currently yeah. on the edge of what it right. is. And it, and it, that was when it kind of woke, when I woke up to, wow, what are we really doing? And who are we really as runners? 
and as practitioners of this thing that we're doing, right? Because that's the thing that's on I'm into right now. It's like the sport part I call pursuit. Yep. And then there's this other whole part of it that I call practice. And it's my view that this pursuit that so many people that I work with and John, people you've worked with who are trying to chase goal time and trying to get faster, that they are doing that in the context of a practice first, just like your TM, like the thing you love about the meditation is that it's part of something you just show up to do every day. Right. And this is what every runner is doing, even if they're pursuing. And the pursuit is just one small 25% of the package of being in yep. a practice. Yep. And the most important thing is, do you put your shoes on and what what do you shoes do you put on and what shorts do you put on and what gear do you do and how do you do that? That's important. That's why what Michael you're doing is like, like I'm an old school run bum who will wear any fucking shoes. Mm -hmm. Like I will wear anything. I still think the greatest shoe is the, you know, the Nike, the whatever that one, the Nike Air Max that was all, all polyurethane with the big <laughs> thing. Like if all lifted up with like a, I don't know how, like the whole back of it's yeah, all lifted yeah. up and the front is like, a, yeah. like on ground level yeah. and the back is like Dude, this high those up. Those things were bomb proof. I loved those things. I mean, I, I would run in those all day long. And then I also loved being in old school, like, Onitsuka Tigers, like yeah. nothing on them, really simple symbols. Like, and, but my, but I think that what, what I'm trying to basically say is that we've got, you need to continue. If I were to make a suggestion to you as someone who's been in this world for a long time, mm -hmm. right, is recognize people are practicing. And the more that you can keep your eye on the fact that they're practicing, they need all your gear and they need all that stuff, but they need it curated and planned and as we talked about at one point in time prior to this narrativized if you want to some kind of way that allows them to see how it fits in their space because the other things they're doing is they're going into a gym some of them or they're doing some kind of yoga or some other activity this is part of their running practice I think a lot about that and, and a lot of people don't yeah. that, if you so you need to be thin and then there's another part of it at least 25% of it's just what's going on between the years about how you're dealing with a pursuit or your practice or where you're at. So what is your mental space with that? How are you operating? So someone who's sitting in a meditative experience, that is part of it. So I like to say everything is training. And this is what I mean. It's like a part of, if you're a real runner, it's a part of a practice. And I think that those people at Town Lake are doing that too. They might just keep it constrict, constricted yeah. to and limited to a certain window of time. But the more we can honor that as coaches, as product designers, as runners, as people and say, hey, there's this, bigger thing going on and how do we tell that story in some way that that doesn't diminish the the cheater fly user who runs right. in the cheater fly for every run like many of my athletes if you show up they're doing all of their run at least all of their work they're doing with me which is tuesday thursday and saturday they're in a some kind of nike you know, their plantar, I, you know, I'm trying yeah, to get I'm, them to do foot I'm kind of worried about I the plantar. I'm, I'm totally I'm, worried I'm, about I'm, the plantar. I, I really think that people should be worried about these plantars. I'm kind of envious that they can do that and continue to do that week after week. After. But they don't know any better. It's all they've worn. So once they transition to it, so they had the experience that Michael had where he wore it at CIM. Right. A couple of training runs. Then yep. he did a race. It was expensive enough. Most of the people I'm working with, this is not a limiter to them. $250 shoe, right. whatever. It's not a, right. they are already sacrificing. And compared to other things, they probably don't have a gym membership. They probably aren't on a bike. They're not buying tires, wheels, right. gear, other things. They got their heart rate monitor. That's probably yep. the same one. that If they've they got the same Garmin and heart rate monitor they've had forever because runners are cheap. We know this, right. most of them are. And that's changing too, by the way. That's another whole area of conversation. But like that experience of, there, it doesn't cost a lot of money. They're in 
in them all the time, and no, that's a scary thing. Exactly, it's, that's a scary. It well, scares me from to a death. So, perspective, even like running, even though it's getting higher and higher, is way cheaper than triathlon. Well, <laughs> when it's you, way more accessible with time and cycling. You entered. And, you entered the world in the Kanvara era, right? I loved the Kanvara. So, yeah. A and basic a, for you, a basic, yeah, a basic running shoe is a hundred bucks then, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. correct. And so people who are coming into it now, a basic running shoe is one thirty, one forty. Yeah, right. When we started, the basic running shoe was like you know sixty dollars, fifty five dollars, sixty dollars. Really interesting about this whole point, though, is that we tend people tend to talk about the shoes, yeah. and the irony is that when you talk about the shoes, you're more talking about the pursuit, and you're you're kind of leaving by the wayside the practice. And what I think is happening is for the first time in running, like maybe not the first time, I know that I wasn't in, I started running in Southwest Louisiana when products, nobody really cares about stuff there. Like like about the product side of things. We got what we could get at Dick's Sporting Goods and it was right. awesome. Yeah, We just got the coolest stuff there. Yeah, And... And that's to me, there's like a direct link between the product and the pursuit. And this idea that the that the practice I've always been obsessed with, I personally have lost my practice, you know, yeah. in the pursuit. Like right. I'm victim of being um, held hostage by the pursuit and call it the ego or whatever, but living in the future. Yeah. And it takes a lot to stay to stay in the present and it takes a lot to kind of say like this is i don't know what i'm necessarily trying to say but i think maybe that the pursuit and the practice i'm wondering if it there has to be some type of ratio balance that's more healthy than not or if it's just an exploratory experiment the 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 practice you know i mean everybody from i can't think of all those podcaster names but Everybody talks about, you know, you have to focus on the path, right? Well, the running is the path. The And, and the way that the Tao Te Ching is the path, right? Like, sure. Like the path. The path. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little heavier than most people think. Right. But <laughs> the, the, the pursuit is kind of like the reward part. You know, the, the stops along the way where you check... Um, and I think that when people like really, really get like, get new, they're new into running and they really get into it. And within the first couple of years, you know, they go from zero to they're running 60 miles a week mm-hmm. and they're really, really, really into it. And they're buying, you know, six pair of shoes a year that they don't need on top of the 12 pair of shoes that they bought that they've, that they run in or whatever, you know, I mean, they're, they're fully into it. And in a sense, you almost like, you know, you want, you want to go, Hey, simmer down. But then you also want them to have that like that experience. Like I'm a runner now, you know, maybe they were in the past or they didn't want to call themselves. And so the enthusiasm level you, you don't want to tamper their enthusiasm for sure. And, you know, you, you I know. Yeah. And this is coming from like a guy that grew up as a product nerd. Like yeah. I was the guy that show, showed up with the, 
the, the fancy new yeah. hockey sticks and stuff like that to practice because yeah. I loved the gear. That's why yeah. I do what I do. I'm a product designer because I freaking love gear. Yeah. And I love technology and I love designing it and working with it and learning with it. Like I'm obsessed about it. But again, there's like, there's got to be a governor on terms of like, well, what is this? It's like, what is this power used for? Like, I, what is it? What are people, how are people using it? It's almost yeah, like that it, thing where like AI is only so good until it takes over the world. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if it's like that, but it's, that, it's pretty extreme. Look, but you, at the same time, you know, I have to balance like, my own product nerdness yeah. with my own practice. Well, I'm, yeah, no, I starting when I was six or seven years old and I first got obsessed with soccer shoes and I drew soccer shoes. And then when three or four years later, when I picked up running and I would sit in my room and draw the ads from runner's world, Mm -hmm. you know, the Brooks vantage or whatever. And so the product, the product is like one of those things that make you feel like you belong, right? Mm -hmm. Because that identifies you. You go to central market, you're standing at the fish counter and someone's like, I saw that, I saw that ad on Instagram or I saw that, you know, right on. Mm-hmm. And you, that. It's awesome. It's the going, Jeep, it's going, the Jeep way. Go, yeah. Go, <laughs> going through that part of running is really, really cool. Yeah. Or as, you know, and so the product definitely has a place in it. Um, I, one of the things that I've sort of like, like you have the athlete that, or the athletes that carbon fiber things for every workout they do. And the last, I had a couple athletes a couple years ago that, and they were there and I was like, you guys need to like, you know, simmer down a little bit They're And they're not new runners, but they would just, they, you know, and they were always banged up. And I'm like, all these little things aren't going to fix the problem until you get the running right. And they, they, they were always, like, everything had to be Strava. Everything had to be, and I'm like, you have, and it was hard because they were so excited and enthusiastic. And, you know, I'd go like, if you guys don't simmer down, you're going to spontaneously combust. <laughs> and it was just really, really hard. And I, and so there's, because of this whole new carbon fiber thing and the mm-hmm. Kipchoge two-hour thing, it's brought a lot of new people and created a lot of excitement, but it's also like, it's, um, I'm just worried that there are going to be a lot of people having, you know, Achilles surgeries 15 years down the road. And maybe that, that's a, you know, get off my lawn. Thing, but. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it will or it won't. I think we need to keep waiting and seeing how it plays out. I think, um, a lot of this has to do with, the clientele that you and I are looking at and, you know, Michael, this might have something to say about who you're working because you're who you're building product for, because we, the athlete that I work with is trying to shape when you tell them they've got something that's going to give them a 3% benefit and they're running a three hour event. Yeah. That's a huge, that's that's a really Mm -hmm. substantial number when you run those numbers. So, and those numbers, we offered it because we didn't want to tell people, Hey, our brand doesn't let you show up without a competitive edge. Correct. So that's why we created that shoe right? for that particular designation. Now, the thing is, is it doesn't, if you think about it from a practice perspective, this is what's really important Mm -hmm. is you, when you think about it from a practice perspective, in my view, you know, my view is I'm trying to use a 
model that says, let's try to run a beautiful race rather than trying to run a particular time. Because if right. you run a beautiful race, then if you get bad weather or you get tough conditions or you show up with the spills or mm -hmm. whatever else, suddenly you can change the narrative or refocus your approach to saying, I'm going to try to do the best I can today right. and then have a beautiful race. If I showed up at Boston, it was 85 degrees at to an hour and a half into it, and it's definitely having yeah. an impact on your ability to run, then you can come after, to it afterwards. Think about 2018 Boston. Everybody right. remembers that was that weather day. How many people dropped out? There were people saying, I beat, I beat Galen Rupp because Galen Rupp was on the side <laughs> and he dropped out, right? Like how many people did drop out and yeah. who won that race? On the women's side, Des Linden won that race. Who won that set on the men's side? The, the Japanese? Kawuchi. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, what did those people all do that day? No one actually looks out and says, my PR day was at 2018 right. Austin. They'll, they'll argue they'll either be, have a weather excuse, a reason for the weather, or they'll have an experience that says one of the greatest races I've ever run, or, or I challenged myself in yeah. such ways. So now we're talking beautiful race. So if you can get people to start to reframe it out of a metrics only model yeah. and get them to think about it from a beautiful race perspective lots of things suddenly change you get a lot more fun it gets a yeah. lot more fun and, and it's honestly a lot, more rewarding. a lot more fun and everything is a little problem like i think yeah. about when i think about i'm using problem in the way that that people talk about it in bouldering right yeah. like where they stand right. on a rock and they look at it and they go okay it's not incredibly hard to get to the top of this rock but i'm going to get to this rock in this certain wet top of this rock in a certain way and that creates a problem that i'm going to try to work through yeah. and yes it's still that experience of being at the top of the rock just like it is at the race we still, you know, you said there's still this, John, you mentioned, it's still important that they have these thresholds at these moments yeah. of experience that say, here I am, I'm on the top of this, like climbing a 14 or getting on top, top of that rock. They're able to come back. But instead of it being about the only metric of value is some number that's already arbitrary for 99.9% right. .9 of the people. And if you argue somebody who hears me say, well, times are arbitrary, I will just say, look at Boston. Right. You have no fucking idea. Last two years, it's been a little bit weird. But before that, you had no idea what the Boston qualifying time was. Right. So to say I'm going to qualify for Boston, it was all determined after right. you ran your race. So you're fucking running an arbitrary time. Right. So let's leave. It's, can we just ex admit? Now, maybe the people trying to get an Olympic trials qualifying standard or a world qualifying standard, that number is a little more regimented and set and you sure. have to reach that threshold so we can give that in very very rare that's what i'm saying 99.9 .9 of the yeah. distance runners out there they're an arbitrary space so now you're going to judge your entire experience mm -hmm. that's where on I'm something that's about. arbitrary that's, that's what i get worried about and that's from the cultural standpoint of where i'm worried about the biggest uh wide casted net on what is running who's enjoying it a right. lot of people and making sure that we protect that culture is a big big deal so, um, and period. Well, yeah, it, period. the culture itself has grown, like the running community. I, I don't, I still don't know how to define culture yet. So I'm going to say community because it's just an easier word for me to mm -hmm. understand. But by community, you mean beyond the confines of the Austin running community. You're talking about ru like the runner, community in general, people, which which most which run. Michael and I will call culture, but you'll call mm -hmm. community. Sure. Cool. Mm -hmm. People people who run. Yeah. Um, you know. Everybody has uh, a different reason, you know, var variations on a theme for doing what they do. Everybody's in a different phase, but everybody enjoys it for different reasons. But you still, at the most fundamental level, have to use the same tools to do it. Mm -hmm. Some people do it because 
they need they need to set yearly goals in order to do whatever they're doing. Some people do do it to lose weight. Some people do it because the friend down the street invited them. Whatever the situation is, they still have to have a pair of running shoes. And the running shoes are have you you have to go into like if you're going to be a runner, the people who call themselves runners go into running trainers, shop on running websites. That that is about the place where people start to call themselves runners, mm -hmm. right? There, the number of people who run who don't call themselves runners probably are going to, you know, they might be going to Ross mm -hmm. to get their, you know, you know, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And people are more likely to continue doing whatever they're doing, running or whatever, if they, the fewer roadblocks they have. Right, and so that's why it's always like when a new runner comes into the store, you know, don't start off with five miles a day because, you know, when you're a new runner, that first injury, uh, you're a little it's disheartening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's make so, a break. Yeah, it's make a break. If yeah. you want to suck them in, if you want them to come back, yeah. then they need to get through that. First and time. one of the things that running shoes always did with me was like every time I bought a pair running shoes. And when I was a kid, we didn't have any money. So a new pair of running shoes would come from Marshall's sometimes, you know, and it was a two year old pair of Brooks that nobody had ever put on or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I still got super high mm -hmm. walking out of the store with those shoes on. And at the time, you know, and I already had a sense of what brands I wanted and all those things, but knowing that my parents couldn't swing you know, $75 for the Nike internationalist. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I still got high on those other shoes. So it's like getting the one tool that you need that is yours. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you do get that shoe that you wanted or that pair of shorts or whatever, you get that, you get that high where, now, now I'm in it. Now, now I'm a I'm a card carrying member. I mean, you, you know I, what I mean. I, mean, I can tell you this in a really salient way. When I ran at the University of Texas, when the shipment of spikes came from Adidas, yeah, and we all looked at them and we thought these are going to make or break us. And they had one style of 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 shoe, and then in the '90s they shifted to these absolutely horrific things, and we went in with. I started modifying shoes because the spikes were so bad. They had a spike plate that was completely inflexible, would not even function. And I would go in with a hacksaw and cut at the the plate to try to get it to flex. And, you know, that experience of going, oh, this shoe is going to make me so fast. And then that experience of going, this shoe is going to kill me. I'm not right. going to be competitive. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. be able to run with anybody else. I've got to do something to yeah. it. It's like those experiences are those moments. Like we are still... You know, I think that's what we're traipsing on here is like everybody has a unique experience. We talked about authenticity. It's crucial and critical yep. for people to have an authentic experience. We are consumers. We're going to remain consumers. We're yep. not going to stop being consumers. So, but one thing I want to just highlight back and circle back to is I'd like to get your point of view on this, John. Michael and I have talked about this idea of culture, what you called community, and this idea that um, it's an, an exponential 
individual exponentially focused on getting better performance and better performance, which seems to be time related. And yeah. I've used, he and I were talking about it and I said, this is something I'm really, really preaching a lot lately. And I'm basically calling it stealing from a, a guy named John Vervecki, a cognitive scientist out of Toronto. Mm -hmm. He says, steal the culture. Like he had this idea of the only way we're going to be able to change things is to steal the culture. What does that mean for us? Because we're going to keep them in a space of, op they're still going to go to the store and buy stuff. And they yeah. want to have those outfit, those real experiences of being in the right gear and all those things. How do we, how do we frame that? I mean, I'm not giving a prescription. Maybe that's something we work on over a long period of time. I think, that, of conversations, I think, that's, I think that's definitely like an evolving com conversation for sure. But, um, you know, sitting around the last few years, um, being at home mostly, there have been a lot of time to like observe it and think about it. And because I'm not involved in it, mm. I can think about it over and over and over and over and I'm not influenced by all this other stuff. And I think it comes down to what you started off with, Michael. You just be, just do and be what you want the way you want it. Make the product that you want and continue to make it and if you feel like you need to refine something, do it. But you, it needs to be like the thing that you do. You know what I mean? Where um, you, you establish yourself as the brand that is like the brand of the brand of runners or something where it's never going to change even though it does change. Time you, you know what I mean? Like this is, it would be like, I don't know. I don't know that much about other sports uh, in terms of product, but like um, what was like, you mentioned hockey earlier. And I remember back in the late seventies and early eighties, hockey, even in Dallas, people got really, you know, because of the Olympics and in 1980 and everything. Um, there, I remember like the brand, just seeing the logos, right? And if you establish yourself as someone whose logo becomes so familiar that, it, you know, I'm not talking uh, the swoosh or Coca-Cola, but in the running community, you, you know, you, you just, you have to get beyond the startup place. Mm -hmm. When you get to the place where um, everybody knows, a tr even if they don't know where to buy them, but they know them, then you reach a place where you can kind of play around and experiment a little more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Outside of your passion for the one issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I'm not. I have. I'd have to write everything. Like, I wish we had submitted questions because like I have to think about it and talk about it. Sometimes. Well, we can do this any way we want to. We can John. do it. Any We're literally just. Freestyling today and freestyling. We probably won't even use it. what we're doing today. We'll it's probably like, whoever's going to edit over. this yeah. should get a um, stipend. No, there are no, there are no editing. This, uh, just so you know, it sounds. I guess it sounds like what. If I'm understanding correctly, what you're trying to say, and to me, what I'm hearing, and not maybe what you're saying, yeah. but what I'm hearing is that we can evoke some type of emotion through imagery or product or the sport itself. Think, and, of, think about Vance, mm -hmm. right? 
like vans are ubiquitous now. Yeah. 7% of the people you see who wear vans skate, mm-hmm. right? So you don't need to be a vans, but you just need to have the longevity. Yeah. And that the only way you get longevity is to just stick to what you know and and know how to do. Like if you try to do anything else other than what you know how to do, it just it rarely ends up successful. You know what I mean? It's any success would be temporary. It comes back to that theory that any great team or individual or goal needs to be met by um seems to me like the 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 conversation floats around this idea that it's a fine balance to live in the type of cultural society that we live in, but yeah. also want to maintain some type of peaceful yeah. innards. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and, and that's and how so, you do but it. But that's a balance because yeah. like, I don't want to spend my life making money, but I have to make some money. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of like, super balance like yeah. at any given point if you try too hard you're going to push it away yeah. if you don't try too little you're not going anywhere yeah. so it's it it's it's definitely from from the cultural perspective it's it's about finding a way that the mission seems to be to find a way to bring out to encourage everybody's most authentic form doing what they're doing and anything going against that is very likely easy to do. It's easy to do it because it's easy to want to compete in the same game that is to play the same. Maybe even play in the same game. I mean, that's why you went into this. That's why you put the carbon plate in the shoe to play in the same game. And you learned a lot. And And what you realize now is you don't actually have to play that same game. And now maybe there's other things you can do. But what John is saying is, you need to realize there's two pieces and I don't know how this all of a sudden turned into, you know, we got Michael on the couch here and planning <laughs> out all his, plan, all his we, I dig we, it. but anyway, you do need to take, you know, there's magic here. Okay. I mean, like the magic of having a word, a tray you mm-hmm. and an image that word across, you've got mm-hmm. a, you've got a wasp, you've got a few things, you've got a style, your shoe looks a certain way. You do need to be thinking long-term about those. I think that's what John's saying. Those things need to be, he's not saying those specific things. Associate those with. Some authentic space that resonates for you over time, that you can keep that vibe rolling, that you can then connect other people to in some way, some way to draw them into the storyline that you're in and or this 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 the what you're trying to create without being beholden to what story you're telling okay mm-hmm. so what that yeah. basically yeah. says is if you get wrapped up into the story you're telling you're going to think that's more important when it's not because people are going to go as john is saying they're going to go to an image and the image is going to be associated in their head with something and you have <laughs> you can control a few of those variables but you don't have a lot of control over them so you want to you don't know what they're going to think, but what you can do is you know what you're going to present to them. And presenting to them in a clean, authentic, consistent way creates all kinds of opportunities to change that narrative or or give sub or move it into different directions at different times. So I'll I'll give you a real world example. There's um, you can you can be a company that makes 
really, really, really good running shoes, but not have that, uh, not have it in your blood. Haven't you worked for? Wait, wait. I'm trying because I'm trying to make it sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you can technically make really, really good running shoes, Mm -hmm. but if you're not like doing it because you want to, you want to design the shoe that when you put it on, like it's orgasmic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're doing it because you need uh, recognition or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? when, when really large shoe companies do that and they do it on a regular basis, those products go by the wayside. They just do. And these are billion-dollar companies. Mm-hmm. And you don't, like, you don't have all those restrictions of shareholders and stuff like that. You can continue, and it's going to have to evolve, Mm-hmm. But you can continue to make exactly what you want, even as the market changes and technology evolves and all that kind of stuff. And if you continue to do that, rather than making something that you think people want, then the, the shoes will be successful. I think it's more about that. That's, that's, that's another coming back to that's a noble pursuit. And the practice of that is remaining kind of true to the inherent desires. It's almost like the desire without attachment kind of an idea where it's like, okay, I think that's an incredible idea. Well, and I mean, you it, can, that's a path. I call it a path with heart. Yeah. Because if it's, if, you know, the heart part has to be there. Yeah. You have to love it, believe it, bleed it, breathe it, yeah. live it, everything else. And as we talked about before, it is a path. You have to stay, you are continuing to come back over and over again. And there's that piece of that you're mentioning, which is like, yeah, you can't be chasing it for the thing, but you still have to be on. It's like this, yeah. it's Plan this paradox. The future, live yeah. in the it's, moment it's kind of an idea. The yeah. it's, it, and it, it's, it's, it, that's what's so interesting about the world that we live in. And, and, and I can't, I am obsessed with that, that idea that we don't know what our goals are going to be. We, we will never know that. We'll never understand what our goals are because goals fundamentally live in the future, but something's driving us and motivating us. So I think I, I think that uh, extraordinary outcomes is something I've been writing on lately a lot, a whole lot. I've been trying to say like as a, I mean, and it's interesting talking about like like a Treyu and stuff like that. But I've been really thinking about like what do we do at the highest level, and I never come back to we just provide footwear. Like when people think about it, I think about. Um, living extraordinary journeys, living an extraordinary life. But how do you do that? Right. I would hope to be a part of this idea, what you guys do in coaching, always talking about patience, always talking about like, let's go ahead and let's plan for that sub three. Let's plan for that 3.30. But kind of just trust the process because it might not come, but that's going to keep you going. And what's going what's gonna to give you time, and I think that, Time is the ultimate. I mean, experience and wisdom and mistakes and all that is accumulated over the continuum. Right. So I think at the very least, what I would hope to stand for personally and maybe earmark this conversation is, for me, is like 
we have zero idea where we're going to end up. You could not have told me that I would have been um, falling off my bar stool, you know, right. to starting a hot dog restaurant, to playing lounge music seven nights a week, six nights a week, to um, stashing enough tip jar money in a coffee can to buy first round of shoes and then become a footwear designer and then all of a sudden get into runner's world for like editor's choice for shoes and stuff like that that's fucking crazy you can't put those things together you cannot plan that but what you can plan for what i learned the second that i was like made the desirable commitment of like living in the moment is knocking down domino effect a series of tiny little insignificant Victories that build up self-esteem, yeah, right? And those self-esteem modules—they they all like little DNA strands. It's like, <laughs> what do we do as humans? Yeah. Well, I don't know. What's your DNA say? Well, you first you got to build up the little molecules. You got to make the mistakes. Yeah. You got to learn from all that. And boy, I mean, that. So at the highest level, what what I would say that, you know, I, I stand for just seeing where the path goes. Um, leveraging little kind of getting molecular about what we're doing and how we're acting how we're treating people and what we're putting out into the world and using those to build some type of, yeah. of dna fabric to become little personified organization you know organ like organisms that are kind of floating through the continuum right well but defining the future is fucking worthless yeah. <laughs> i can tell anybody that you can you can plan for it you can hope for it and that's awesome because it's motivating i usually but, say good luck with that yeah good yeah. luck with like <laughs> i have a lot of goals but i am but i am always pleasantly surprised when i realize that they you know they live in the future and the future doesn't exist so what are you going to do right now how are yeah. you going to wake up when are you going to set your alarm to get out and you know, join the run group again. Like when I'm, when I'm, at what point in time do, so you do use I this word extraordinary and you're working with extraordinary, but this word is beautiful. I love this word because like supernatural, mm -hmm. right? Super when you break the things yeah. down, it turns into something different. Mm -hmm. So you just described an extraordinary experience, an extraordinary, right? Yeah. And by that you meant singular, singular moment. ordinary experiences. But what? Wait, but that's not how you framed it when you first started. What mm -hmm. you said was you starting with this pinnacle spot experience. But then when you broke it down, when you gave it to us in the real, the real DNA of it, it was extra ordinary. Mm -hmm. It was ordinary, right. consistent. Plug it, plug it, plug it, plug it. Extra, 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 which is don't stop plugging. Keep plugging, keep plugging, keep plugging. Yeah, right. Then creates this extraordinary experience you right. know it's the idea of i That's, hate this word mastery mastery needs they need to take that word tear it up use up toilet paper like I would agree it doesn't because exist. mastery means there's some end thing that it's, doesn't it happen means you've reached the end right whereas we know what it is is you know i know it's not malcolm gladwell we can't mm -hmm. give him all the credit for it but the ten thousand hours sure. idea is the ordinary is the hour and the extra is the 10,000 right. and then something like mastery then comes about this pinnacle experience. But as you noted, you can't focus on the mastery you because it, it will ruin right. the fucking soup. It will, yeah. it will ruin, you will put It'll too much of the wrong there. thing in right. it for sure. It'll <laughs> leave you there um, failing almost every time because you can't wake up and you can be the person when you wake up, it's like a breaker box. And you can be honest, you can be healthy, you can be 
um, elite. You can be beginner. You can have a beginner's mind. You can do all of this stuff and you can flip those on. Life is going to turn those breaker switches off. <laughs> and what it means is that every day, life is fundamentally a system that tries to turn the breaker switches off because to live is to hurt. To, to live is to die. I mean, everything is has an opposite reaction to it. So the breaker switches on means that there are forces trying to turn them off. So constantly we can be what we need to be at any given time. Just to, And that's where I'm saying it doesn't matter if the f- switch gets turned off. It doesn't matter if your Strava says that you ran three minutes slower yeah. than what other people might think is yeah. good. Turn it the fuck back on. It doesn't matter. Turn it on. What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to have self-esteem? Well, turn it on. Run slower run a little slower next time and practice what you want to become. Like, those are all of the slogans that like, people are like, how'd you come up with this heady stuff? Like what's going on? I'm like, no, like this is, <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote a 65 page, uh, self-help book for myself that has a wasp on it before I even knew I was going to start a tray you. It's, it was called a daily check- checklist for a busy mind. Meditate, read, do something selfless, nourish a short-term goal, nourish a long-term goal, <laughs> i.e. long-term goals are just a series of short-term goals strung together in a meaningful way. <laughs> All of this is defined. Mm. So me getting into to sport at 26 was, I mean, it's what we all do. It's like, it's why we coach. It's why it, I mean, we, I don't, I don't know where that original desire comes from, but it's a beautiful process. And that's why I resonated with trying to run a beautiful race in Houston under the training cycle that you bestowed onto, uh, it was amazing. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know if I ran what I expected, but I did. Well, like we over, you overtrained. Overtrained and I loved it. No. And then I took, yeah. What? Exactly. Yeah. Systems program took, with Michael's vibe. <laughs> how is that all going to play out, right? I took People like run around weeks. in flames. You know how they say <laughs> take six weeks off? I had to take like six months off <laughs> after all that. Uh, so it was yeah. great. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I'm, I'm super passionate about it. And I think that the reason I like talking to, to you both like and why we got together for our coffee huddles john is is well, because it's, it's fun talking from the coach's perspective because well, coaching seems to be a series of breaker switches being turned off <laughs> all the time we yeah. just want to keep it's, the, well, it's, the circuit going it's you know it's it they end up being sort of meta conversations yeah. about like you know it always ends up sort of being sort of existential. Yeah, it does. And uh, which I feel like <laughs> junior year at college, four o'clock in the morning, and you know, yeah, yeah, standing sure. up late with all your friends talking, and that's Don't why you have so work much- to do. Yep, yep. <laughs> I sure do. And that's why it's so much fun. And that to me is that's what I love about the running community. Me too. Time. There was a time, and I think because it may be different for me because I was never fast. Yeah. Right. You were fast, right? You ran on, in world championship races. I thought I broke 17 minutes in a 5K until 25 years later goes, no, that was a three mile. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, man. That's, oh, that's bullshit. Great. My whole life, I thought I had done that. And then the guy was like, no, that was a three mile loop. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? So... So my perspective is different. So time to me, just like if someone hits their goal, I get just as excited. Mm-hmm. But like I, I'd rather just talk about the shit rather than the numbers. Mm. You know what I mean? Like 
when I put on, oh, by the way, that's the first shoe of yours I've worn where people I've never met before go, hey, those are good looking shoes, nice. by the way. So I can't believe Live it. and learn. Yeah. Sometimes when so, you put your little... When your design portfolio is just the tattoos on your <laughs> arms, right. like you, you got to break out yeah, and learn what you're doing a little Transferring bit. Transferring images. Yeah, exactly. It's, but I, so it's going to be different for me because I think people who are in the newer generation who have only maybe been running five or six or seven years mm -hmm. or whatever, they still get like, when I put on these shoes, I feel faster. I feel, you know, Chogi like or whatever and now to me it's like I just like I don't I never think about the shoes mm -hmm. so I put on the base model mm -hmm. that I walk around in for a week before I take them out for a run and I never think about the shoes until I have to put them on and that's the way I like it because I don't want to think about the stuff I want to in my head I'm I'm thinking about the shit rather than the stuff you know what I, I mean? Like that. And so that's yeah. why, like, I think yeah. culture might include the stuff. You know what I mean? Culture is maybe the thing. Oh, for sure. includes the product, Tell the them. retail, the whole, yeah. it includes the whole thing. But there and, needs to be a conversation about what people yeah, are thinking and, and feeling, I, the, yeah. the shit. And I, yeah, like, <laughs> like I want to know, talk about the shit. I want to know, like, have you, when you had the best training run you ever had all by yourself, did you try to repeat it? Mm -hmm. Did you try to figure out how that happened? That's what I love talking about. Not like, my shoe is 6.9 ounces. How much is yours? <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, I love shoes and I geek out. And now that I've got a son. Same with race stats. I think we're seeing a lot yeah. of people going off the race grid. And they're I'm, going to they're going to the Grand Canyon yeah. and running an unsupported and ultra. So like, and it's like hell yes. If, if that's I were, what's up. If like I, I met a guy the other day that's gonna run from like a loop around Vermont and I'm like like you he's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna go do it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's what I'm see, that's what gets me excited about stealing this culture back mm -hmm. is maybe for some people it will be organized racing for the first yeah. time. Other people it'll be a time goal for the first time because they've got the experience and the tenure to do it. But what gets me excited and where I think that maybe a part of this uh, retrieval of this culture is more about, um, again, bringing that authentic desire to the table and saying, like, you know what? Like, I don't know why I keep having this thought about how far can I run, but I want to try it. I don't know what that looks like. Like, if I were to just set, you know, I want to see... I want to do something that challenges me like the first time I tried to complete an Ironman or run a marathon yeah. for, you know, a Boston qualifier. But those don't excite me anymore. Yeah. So if they don't excite me anymore, um, and it's not that they're not exciting, it's it's just that what excites, maybe it's they are still exciting, but what excites me more is going off the uncharted territory, yeah. living on that fringe and kind of exploring those that those first feelings and it's about feelings and emotions Ob objectively identifying those feelings and emotions that were associated with that original intent and going and saying like you know what i need that again i need that like i totally need 
the feeling when I was sitting on that couch in Louisiana and going like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And at that point, there was no, you don't have to be rational when you're doing stuff like this. In fact, you probably need to be irrational when you're thinking about taking this culture back or being a kind of a, a node in this culture machine and kind of, you know, contributing to it. So it's, to me, it's, it's a, it's a selfish, almost a irrational pursuit of, uh, I, th I think everybody's got it in them. I just don't know how to completely verbalize it. But, but I know for me, it's it's living on that fringe and kind of locating what what it wasn't about the goal. It was it was something about it that was like a just a far out challenge, man. Well, like, I, think, uh, I think John said it really beautifully that there's a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. and then there's the shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which, which which is the the shit to me. The, the well, to that. me, the shit is the human element. Yes, right, and the stuff is it's the stuff. messy, the yeah. passion, the yeah. messy, yeah, 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 the yeah. the the feeling of absolute utter despair that happens yep. sometimes. Like yep. when the second time when you 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 said I did this run and I did it in such a way and I want to repeat it. The shit is wanting to repeat it yeah. and then the shit is going out repeating it and it being really really bad yeah. and then trying to figure out how to make it right again yeah. and then keep coming and iterating and iterating and iterating yep. yeah there's a lot of stuff around that because yeah. there's a lot of stuff around running around Vermont mm. he's going to have to figure out his nutrition he's going to figure mm. out food he's going to have to figure out all that stuff but that's not why he's doing it He's doing it for the shit. And the reason yeah. why I talk about stealing rather than retrieving, I use that language on stealing purpose, on purpose, because the area that we're talking about, the culture we're talking about primarily in this conversation, it seems like the worlds we're in that we're trying to turn a little bit out is to say, hey, stop with this stuff and move into the shit. And if you do that, and that's the journey you're on. Yeah. That's the journey you're on as a company is to, to, to say, hey, there's stuff we have to think about outsoles midsoles and you love the stuff oh i love the <laughs> right? stuff but, but, but the shit is what we really want <laughs> right. like yeah. we, what can you give us the shit like that's what we well, need down inside people live for the well shit. and that's <laughs> where like when when <laughs> so when good you we'll and make i our new shirt there are uh we'll ceremonialize this event with my new screen printing setup and it says <laughs> get the shit not the stuff it's <laughs> like when you were first telling me about your design philosophy and the aesthetic and all that it i really liked it because it was kind of the same you word it differently but it's kind of the same thing that i think about and you can't deny that the pro you have to have stuff to do it right you, I mean, it's like your grandpa's saying like don't be an asshole go get the right tools but you don't right. have to get, you, you just have to have the right tools right and so i always liked that i, I grew up in the blue collar town of lake charles and it was awesome and everybody was just about yeah. You know, don't be flashy. Just yeah. go get the right stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and go do your shit. <laughs> they're like, and now, well, and product product is going to evolve because back in the seventies, a guy who like I'm going to run around Vermont, you'd have been like, just stay away from that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a little weird. Why? Actually, would he would have been cool in the seventies. In the eighties, yeah. he would have been thrown to the wolves. Right. And in but, the nineties, we'd be looking back at him going. Mm, he's going to put him on the outside yeah. there. Some of us think he's really cool. Some of us think he's a really strange, but yeah. in the eighties you would have been kicked to the curb. Yeah. In the seventies, it just would have been like, yeah, that's the vibe, dude. Yeah. That's the way. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's in, and, and now it, it, it's just, it's so different that I don't even really feel like I need to be involved, like boots on the ground and stuff. I just really enjoy watching 
Like, do you know how many people have created running YouTube pages, running Instagram pages in the last five years, documenting what they're doing? It's beautiful. It's amazing. And you you know, you don't know if they're running with other people because they always just post a picture of their Garmin. You know <laughs> what they did? But that's what they're doing. And, you know, like... But you can reach them. So you can reach them if you get yeah. it, if you do it right. Yeah. I, I, There's, you, gotta, you can't retrieve it. You got to steal it. You, yeah. I think that's There's true. A, I don't know that's a hundred percent true. So I, I'm open to being wrong. I'm a, I'm, I'm, pract, I'm well, a practicing like agnostic. I try to always have an agnostic. Because in the fringe, there's that, there's the style, and the style of retrieving is a little bit too timid. To me, it seems to be like you've got to go. I, I think of it like this. Okay, oh. so I'm hugely in, in, in. I'm, I love Native American culture, especially, and this image of what they called acoustic, which was every time that they would go to battle, they would come back and they would tag their stick of what right. they did. Mm-hmm. But counting coup really didn't mean to kill somebody. It meant that you actually got behind enemy lines, went in and cut somebody's hair off or did something to them that made them realize that you could have slayed them, right. but then you exited and right. got back to your place and they knew you did it and you tell the story and then that's that was counting coup. And to me, so it's like, I don't necessarily need for the world to say I stole it or it's been stolen. I think what more is, is are you really taking it to the next level? Mm. So so retrieving, is that enough? Ceremonializing. It, well, ceremonializing is some kind of way that says, hey, bam, that has been done. But right. there's no one that could ever prove. Only two people could prove that that thing happened. The one who got cooed right. and the one who counted the coup. Right. <laughs> and the guy who got cooed, he's, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's doing something different next <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. He's changing his behavior for right. sure. Yeah. He's a different person <laughs> inside and out. So you got to go in there, cut a little hair off the back. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's the way you do it. It's like, oh, I see what you're doing there. How yeah. does that make you feel? Well, All right, the, see you later. <laughs> the, the nature of the fringe is going to evolve at the same rate that everything else is evolving. And the fringe is, you know, I don't know if it's like a generation or two generations ahead, but now everybody's going rim to rim to rim to rim. To rim. Like <laughs> the first person did that, like, that's, that's a little intense. And now it's like, you know, cause once it's been done, you know, the floodgates. So the, the fringe is always like the exciting, like, and it's the exciting. I've never considered myself on the fringe because I'm not confident enough to just like be, you know, totally out doing whatever exactly I want to do. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I just, I, I don't have that confidence, but I love seeing, even if I, at first I'm like, huh, what a weirdo. I'm like, I want to. Oh yeah, you know wanna, it when you I, see it. I want to hang out with that guy yeah. and find out why I wanted to run around Vermont, or whatever <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that and there was a time when I would have like, no, I don't have time for that. I want to know how fast he did it. And I've, I like, and I love that other people love that. I just like I miss in a way like when we would have the Friday morning Greenbelt runs with Robert and all those and. You just talk shit the entire time, yep. and no, and and I I and I'm lamenting that I, I kind of and I can't do that anymore because I can't run as that fast that far with people anymore. But make a shoe that brings that back for me, and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's like 
Well, he has. I want have it on my foot right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's. Uh... There's a lot of shit talking in that shoe. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of shit talking. What is it? Why three and a half millimeter lugs? I don't know. <laughs> what kind of shit are you going to talk about? Yeah. It's going to be awesome. No, and how far can like if it sucks, you you tell me why. Yeah. If it's great, tell me what you did with yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, you know you have like a guest book. <laughs> I think that my idea of the perfect shoe was a shoe that you could use for anything that would, that would fun. It wouldn't be a pure race shoe. It wouldn't be a pure daily trainer. It wouldn't be a pure trail shoe, but I've always been like, is that, is that a possibility? And I really don't think it is. In, not, if, not anymore. Not, not if, not if you, the, not the if you has been really upped on the performance aspect. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful well, things about it is. And that, if you're into performance, yeah. it's certainly, you certainly can't do that. Sure. And the, ma- the marathoner might be able to, but you know, John, you and I know that the experience of running a fast 5K on the road or a fast 5K on the track is different from running a fast marathon right. on the road. Um, of course, no, only a few strange people of Greek origin would run right. a track f- marathon on the track. But right. They, there is there is a need for different weapons. When I coached at UT, I would talk about that all the time. Did you bring all your weapons when you go into battle? Because you don't know what your coach is going to throw at you because I would never tell them what the workout was or what was going to happen. I'd be like, show up and bring all your weapons and be like, I didn't bring my training flat. We're going to do some stuff on the track and then you're going to shift your shoes. You're going to go out onto the road and you're going to come back to the track and you're going to do, we're going to do weird shit because we did weird shit all the time. But I don't, so I don't think that that's a possible thing anymore to create one product that could be used everywhere. Marathon or maybe, but even then now people now in culture, there is an expectation that you might train in one shoe. When we were coming up, there was never that expectation. Mm -hmm. I remember my ex-wife, she won the high school state championship in the 800 meter dash in a pair of Pegasus. And she was a true freshman. Like, I'm like, d- 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 you cannot conceive of that these days. There's no way. There's no way. Go out there and see that happen. Especially the 800. Like the 3200. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But the 800 is legit. I mean, it was, she was an old pair of Pegasus. Well, she was, she was, she was. She was three A, right? That's a three A school. So it's like not the yeah. same thing. But it's like I don't know. She like, was a baller. To me, she I just think though. that kind of thing is like something that. Anyway, we 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 we've. I think we've gone a, a, a lot of different directions in yeah. this first conversation, and I'm excited to have multiples. I'm not sure how much of this we'll salvage or if we'll keep it. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. There's a lot of good stuff. But I, I do. That. But I'm hoping that we can keep doing this and. I'm open to any kind of construct you guys think of. You know, John, you mentioned something about having questions or having a, a path to go down. That's probably useful. Um, we can also go free form. Uh, the free form is going to be there. So I also think it's probably good to put time limits on things to kind of decide the time, to always leave it open. But, you know, lots of times these things, if it's going to turn should get into- a bell. If it's gonna, <laughs> if it's gonna turn into something that okay, gets next topic, if it get, turns into something that gets out into <laughs> Speed the world, rounds five minutes. Yeah, each. If it's gonna be something that gets out into the world, we'll want to create some kind of continuity, it, it, there and consistency. Would have to be, yeah. But um, but if it's not, if it's just something that we're doing just for shits and giggles, that's super cool too. But there was a lot of things that we talked about today that I would hate to be on a cutting room floor somewhere. But my guess is six months from now, if we keep doing this consistently, all that shit comes. comes back around again Mm -hmm. you know it'll always keep coming back around so i think you guys just keep thinking about how you want to do if you think this is cool i do know that there's people who will want to consume this product so um it it is it is what the product is again we don't know but yeah and i had one main like and i was 
telling John the other day, I I don't know why, but I just think the three of us getting together for a coffee would something about it. I was like, man, John, we have I have conversations like this with Steve, and I am <laughs> having them with you, yeah. and I'm really passionate about figuring what's going out in Austin because I'm not kind of the new kid in town, and maybe this is just the first little ripple of uh, building a you know kind of what I me getting my my foot into the game like in town like I don't I don't really know but at, at the very well, least I just like the to kind of bridge the gap well and, and John and I are brothers so like deep, at a deep level at a, the, at, a, at a metaphysical level we are both in been around each other for a long time but at a deep level we've always been like brothers are yeah. not always seeing the same things from the same perspective but always recognizing the others hey. The other, the importance that the other brings to the from to the table. like within the first week of oh, us yeah, meeting, sure. we were like hanging out and yeah, we didn't go on a lot of runs because that was back when he was still really fast. But <laughs> um, we hung out a lot. We went to shows, mm-hmm. and it was. I didn't always, know that. See, that's, oh, I didn't. Yeah. Know, oh, yeah. I didn't know all this stuff too. I was his boss funny. for a while. Yeah. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I didn't even realize you. I didn't even realize you coached for Rogue. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't 12, ask. I don't ask enough ago. questions. It obviously, right. and, the, I, just and I'm just not well, generally would, someone who offers up information. Well, you'd have know. to go dig back. I mean, that it, there's a lot of stuff that will come out in these conversations. I think that will be fun to run a thread on. I mean, one of the things you and I talked about was a, a, a short history of Austin running culture. Like, what is that? Like, John and I giving our perspective about, yeah. on what's played out, and definitely making it. Um, and, and and trying to be, I do think it's important to be as as fair as possible. But I also think there's something there that needs to be a, a real story, mm-hmm. right? Because the story it's an interesting town. I mean, coming from a I new, mean, by Paul Carosa by himself is by himself is just perfect. a and I keep hearing that, but I don't you. know much about it. And I know Paul, and I know who he is now, but I don't know. Oh, he's he no different. He's then. no different today okay, than well, he was the day we met him. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. I don't know for a fact because I'm yeah. not with him a lot. But my expectation is that he and I think Sheila a lot of are runners, the same, especially in yeah. our a lot of your athletes. Mm-hmm. And a, and a lot of people that you guys have worked with might not even know a lot of this great no, stuff. No, no, I don't too. think so. Well, so I, here's, I think... The, here's, the, here's an, in, this would be an interesting topic too. And you can, and the, you could have congruent subjects all across the board. The growth of Austin in the number of people moving in from elsewhere mm-hmm. who have no knowledge of that running history and probably don't care that's a whole nother world mm-hmm. like the um they don't know about they it. don't know is there all, value for them to know about it and how could they know about well, it and how could it, they interface if they're it? if yeah. they're interested in it because then you know yeah then one day you run into paul carosa mm-hmm. with his high school kids on you know on the track or whatever and you're like oh that's the guy um but they it's um like everything else, when people come in from other places, most people don't adapt to exactly what they have. They bring with them, like the people moving here from LA want LA stuff here just without the cost, right? I can't tell. <laughs> right? So, I mean, if, if, I, if I moved somewhere, I would expect, I would like, there are not enough pickup trucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just not. And, 
So they just, there are a lot of people who don't, and all they know is Fleet Feet. Mm-hmm. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. They don't know about stores that opened and closed and mm-hmm. all the people who worked in them forever. And um, how hard it was, like to me, when you think about what Pam and Ryan have done, mm-hmm. um, they've done, they've made something absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But many of us tried to do that multiple times and it couldn't be done. <laughs> so like tr- like it we it is I do think from that perspective it's important to honor to to highlight the beauty of a place like the loop sure. and that it can exist well, in the way it exists but also to recognize many iterations of trying to do that and people on the wayside by the you know and and a lot of the, the other thing is is why is Austin a weird running town because it is weird there seems to be this an interesting vibe. this sort of a, a competitive sort of non inclusive vibe right. that you don't find in other places and that is that is directly coming from Paul Carosa what not consciously not right. purposefully because he is a putter together of people he did right. I mean the people that were working at Runtex in the nineties that's a who's who. What was going on in that place? I mean, here's, let me give you just a short little tale of the people that I could have run into on one afternoon in 1997. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jeff Walker, mm-hmm. Paul Carosa, the, um, the George Bush, mm-hmm. um, Bob Wishnia wrote the Runner's World Shoe Review for forever right. and ever and ever again. Right. Um, Adam Daly, not a name known to the world, but he basically had a running... He, had, he created an entire running business around going to the Olympics and watching the Olympics. Um, Michael, Michael Dell? Michael Dell. was He could have walked in the room at that on that given day. Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson. I mean, they're, they're the famous yeah. people. It was but the weird. People, it was and the weird. people that worked Mike there. Judge? Yeah, the pe- <laughs> yeah, the people that worked there, they filtered out into all kinds of yeah. other spaces that, I mean, you could pick one day. The Willie Nelson 10K is the day. I, if you, somebody said, tell me the end of run tags. The end of run tags. I've never thought about it. Was the Willie Nelson 10 I like your reaction to this. Because <laughs> that day was crazy. Paul got up after this thing that happened. Holy and he wrote shit. On, he wrote on a that. giant check that he had raised this much money. And it was in the many hundreds of thousands of dollars if it wasn't millions. And it was bullshit. And none of that money got raised. And that is like, that is the, number one, it's the epitome of what happened. And it was the most fun party. I got so fucking stoned off my ass. In fact, I got so much trouble because I got bunches of people stoned at that. And Paul came up to me after and said, I heard what you did and that's terrible. And Paul never would ever judge people for their right. behavior. He's a strict fundamentalist Christian. I mean, right. he came from a very church. He and I came from the same place, the same church background. So I knew he judged me all along, but that day he had to come back and tell I me mean, that. And that he wouldn't he openly that, judge you. And when he did that to me, I was like, oh, this place has changed. And now that I look at it, 25, I mean, that was, what was that? 2000 and 2002, two, something like 2001, something like 2002. Like that was the beginning of the end of, it was the pinnacle, this moment where they put on this incredible event, but all the things that happened for that event, I mean, you can't have a race in downtown Austin. You can't have races in Austin that aren't on prescribed courses. That's, that day <laughs> is the reason why that happened because it was the 100,000th time that the city of Austin said, no, we don't want this to happen this way anymore. We don't want this to play this way. And so they, 
basically shut down, down to two. That's why there's the dog pound loop. There's only one route. Now, Paul also put on race every weekend because there was another race, probably that, that was an evening race. I think it was a race the next day. And those of us that worked, I got stoned out of my brain, partied on, woke up the next, probably went to sleep at the store, woke and up the next morning a, and built, a, built, a, one thing, <laughs> built another one. Like, like what we did in those days, I mean, Paul used to call it the trifecta. You had to be able to train, you had to be able to coach, Work the floor and put on events. If you could do those three, you were in the you were in the highest echelon. There weren't that many of us. Like there were very few of us that could do all three of those. And if you couldn't do all three of those, you were not on the main team. That's why I was always on the team. Like you had to be able to do all three because Paul could do all three. And that's and Sheila did all three. Well, Sheila could never coach, but she could definitely do all the other stuff. Like like that's she would climb up scaffolding too. And that culture that came out of that place, it has created and Austin is the place. I like to say there's three things Sounds that have like, made you that have made Austin the running capital mm-hmm. of why it has why it is I still think the running capital of of, of the U.S. Town Lake Hike and Bike Trail. Mm-hmm. So we have to give that to to Lady Bird Johnson. She right. she built something amazing. Um, University of Texas, the, per, the 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 level of athlete coming out of that place and the constant bringing in of all that student population, a young population, and then finally Paul Carosa. Those three things made this place. 